So, Vince, yeah. welcome back up here. Thank you. Nice it's, to see you all from yes. this angle. It's nice <laughs> to see everybody. After taking a step back for a little bit, for good reason, yeah. welcoming baby Eden, Yes. Um, I'm just curious if there's something that you have been thinking about, something that's been resonating with you that you would like to kick us off with this morning. Yes, yes. As I, as I was mentioning to you uh, the last couple weeks, I've been thinking a lot um, while on uh, paternity um, and uh, stepped back, not on stage here. And I have, I have nothing new or like groundbreaking oh, theologically man. to say. No, I mean, like, I, I don't think that this will be like uh, wild or a hot take, um, but my, my basic like reflection has been how amazing community is. Um, so like at the start of the month of May, uh, my, our daughter was due uh, end of April. We kind of thought she might come uh, beginning of May. At the start of May, I, uh, when I began paternity, I felt like I'd finished a marathon. <laughs> uh, it, uh, it, to be honest, I was actually nervous that we, uh, the church board and, uh, and a lot of volunteers and you, Haley, had kind of really graciously come around and like we'd put together a plan for me to take a break for a month. And honestly, I was afraid that I would not actually experience a break. I, I, was, I was concerned that I w it was too much to wish for. Uh, the previous nine months for us had been tough in a way that I've never experienced uh, since uh, becoming a pastor and, and this church starting. Uh, so uh, uh, nine months ago, uh, when we around the same time that we found out we were pregnant, uh, Kyle, my co-founding pastor for this church, began a, a sudden sabbatical for four months and then made the difficult decision to resign. And that really like sent shockwaves through our community, but also like for me personally, uh, there was a lot of, uh, of newness, uh, responding to new situations. There was a lot of like trying to get enough things in order just so I could get to May and have a break. And so I was just so concerned that it wouldn't happen, but it did. And I was, I, was, I, was, I was amazed that I was able to experience a break uh, over this last month. And uh, I had less responsibilities. I got to sit and hold Eden <laughs> for long periods of time and take way too many pictures that most people who have talked to me in this church, like if they got a text or an email from me ever, I also sent like way too many baby pictures to you. So you're welcome. Uh, but it's the best. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I, I think that my only like conclusion about like, how did this happen when it felt like the odds were stacked against me is community. Community is what made this happen. It is, uh, it, it, you, you were, you were huge as somebody in my community that took a lot of responsibility. There are other folks, uh, volunteers who took on huge amounts of responsibility. One person I'm going to shout out in particular, Trey Fratt, who's in the room. We're going to give Trey a hand because Trey is awesome and took on so much uh, so much of the technological uh, uh, effort to uh, mm -hmm. to just keep the wheels turning for our community, and, uh, and that was all. And then, like people sending us food, bringing us casseroles and and uh, and and Grubhub meal gift cards, and uh, one person paid for us to have a cleaning service. Man, that's awesome. That was a really great call. Uh, you know, like people watching our kids, uh, people asking how we're really doing and praying for us. It was like, this is what made it happen. And um, I think of uh, a, words from a sort of a patron saint for our community is, mm -hmm. is the late Rachel Held Evans, who is a writer on spirituality. And uh, she is somebody who's, who was, was, before she passed away, was always able to capture that reality that we talk about a lot here, which is you're, we're all kind of simultaneously believers and skeptics at the same time. Mm -hmm. And she just wrote really compellingly about that. One of her famous phrases that uh, a friend from the church uh, recently put back on my radar that I just loved, her famous phrase is, is um, but who will bring the casseroles when I have a baby? 
That's and 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 you know she's what she's doing is she's wrestling with the idea of I am both believer and skeptic. I have I am long to be a part of a spiritual community, but so much of Christianity in America makes me want to run for the hills. What will I? But who will bring the casseroles when I have a baby? And. When, you know, like when a church does provide, that certainly a church is not the only thing that can provide casseroles when you have a baby, but when a church does that, there's like, there's like an, there's, there's almost extra. It's not just a casserole. Mm-hmm. It's not just the person dropping it off who's amazing and cares for you and is like, wow, your baby's so cute, even if your baby's not cute because like, you know, sometimes babies aren't cute. My baby is objectively so adorable. Cute. Yeah, that's not me, <laughs> but I understand that some people struggle with that. Um, the, <laughs> it's like when that happens, there's like a, there's a, there's something more going on. It's a medium to you experiencing God. There's yeah. more than just the experience of being cared for by an individual when it happens through that context of spirituality. It's like, I am experiencing God care for me. And yeah, I felt that. <laughs> I felt it, yeah. Well, I'm wondering um, here too, so we have this idea of God um, experiencing God's image, who God is yeah. through the practical provision and everything. Yeah. Um, and that kind of ties into the picture of community that we get from Pentecost Sunday, yes, too. Yes, that's right. That's right. So today in, um, in the traditional church calendar is Pentecost Sunday, which is, uh, it, it evokes a lot of things, but among them, it evokes community. And so Pentecost Sunday is this remembrance of uh, a, a, an experience, like a shared spiritual experience that's recorded in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2. And you, you see it's, it's uh, shortly after Jesus' death and resurrection and all of Jesus' followers are, it says, are in one place and they have this incredible, like, empowering experience of, like, God sending them out. And they begin and go and start in communities. And then the description in Acts 2 of the communities is they, were, they, they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give, any, give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And I just think like that's first century Palestine casseroles. That's what that is right there. Like <laughs> Inviting people in. Well, I love this idea of discussing community for the next couple weeks here. Um, and that being the hands of Jesus means bringing the casseroles. Yes. Or we recently moved, so carrying the carrying moving, the moving boxes, boxes. Yeah, absolutely. All yeah. of those things. Uh, but I think that community can almost become a buzzword. It can be pretty vague. Yes. It can be romanticized yes. even. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you could offer for us, how do we define community? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Because it's, it, it's so, um, it's like nobody is anti-community. You know, like I'm trying yeah. to think of like, <laughs> is there like a like pro-isolation lobby? Like <laughs> nobody, so like because nobody's against it, it goes unexamined, right? Yeah. Like we, don't, we just kind of assume we all mean the same thing. But we don't, right? Like even casseroles is like cultural, right? You know, it's like, listen to this white middle midwest guy you know who likes casseroles right <laughs> like that's a that, that's a that's a very cultural thing uh, I mean, actually, I think caring for people in a time of crisis is actually pretty, pretty like yeah. counter or cross-cultural, right? Like that, that appears in, 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 in every um, cultural context. I think actually where maybe it gets most unexamined and maybe we need to do some understanding of like, what do we mean in modern America when, it, when, we, when we talk about community is it's less like the respond to a big time of need because that we just kind of get naturally. We just do it. We, we, yeah. we react, right? Uh, but it's more like the, the not flashy, not, like you don't tell stories about them, um, all of the groundwork that yeah. leads to community. Like getting the casserole is, or having somebody show up to like move, that's like community come to fruition. But it's all of the things that, that go, 
that go unexamined, all of the not so flashy things that actually um, lay the groundwork for you to be somebody who experiences community. And I think that's what I want to talk about. I think that's what, that's what it would be best for us to spend some time leaning into and unpacking. That's what I want to do today and, and, and next Sunday, because I think community doesn't magically materialize, right? Yeah. Like it's, it, 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 we don't get great stories without the groundwork. It takes work. Yeah, it, it does. It yeah. takes some work. And, and I think the risk of not examining, the risk of not um, digging in and talking about all of that groundwork that's not so flashy, is that we end up offering one-size-fits-all, really narrow pictures of what it means to experience community, what it means to be a part of a community. And what that does when we offer one-size-fits-all uh, images is some people and some situations get left out. If, if, you're, if you're wed to something that you are convinced is universal, Sorry, not, there's very few things that are universal in life. Like somebody's going to be left out of your little picture. Mm -hmm. And I think churches in particular do this, right? Like, it, I, I, we, don't, we don't need to, we don't need to uh, be as particularly critical of churches only, but I, I do think it's fair for us to say that churches often will offer really one-size-fits-all ways uh, that you've inherited of like what it looks like to... You, if you've been in a church context before, you, you come and then you, uh, you meet somebody and then you go to a small group and then, and then you go to a class and you go to a registration or like a, like a, a membership class, mm -hmm. right? And then, you, and then you're leading a small group and then, and then you have people and it's like this very like, like uh, the, it, sometimes people will have experiences where it's like um, there's an image attached to it, like a baseball diamond, right? You know, like you go to first base and then second base. Do you know sports, what you do next? Sports metaphors They're, never work no, for no me. No sports metaphors? Maybe you like, I, I've heard of another one for you, Haley. <laughs> There's also um, rooms in the house. Okay, yeah. Like first, yeah, first you're in like, you know, like the, the, the mud room, right? Does anybody else call it a mud room? My mother called it a mud room when you wait, like, because there's mud there, right? You take your, okay, great. I'm seeing nods. They called it a breezeway. A, br a breezeway? I think so. Where, uh, where did you live? I don't, I don't know. New England, I don't know. know. <laughs> that's, a, uh, that's very, we see, have you, here I am cultural, days. right? Like I'm, I'm making you feel left out because your image doesn't fit mine. Uh, yeah, so you go in the you go in the the mud room or the what is it breeze room? Yeah, something breeze like room. That. Yeah, and then you go into the living room and then you go into the kitchen and that's like the image like for how you get more. So like all the images, great, cool. I, I think that there's something to them. But when we are wedded to them as like this is the way that you that you like connect and this is and if you don't like if you're not like breezing through bree there I am using the word breezing through the uh, the image you're like somehow bad. Or um, you know you probably did something wrong, or or you just leave, right? You know, because churches maybe like laud their perfect little simple picture of how you connect in community because all the people who didn't like it are gone, right? Yeah. And so they can just talk about how great it is. And I just think like that's that's worrying, right? Yeah. Like we when we offer those one size fits all, those simple narratives, and and I think increasingly people don't fit into the simple narratives. Yeah. Like I can't tell you how many people I talk to who will come to us and have some sort of experience passed in, in churches. And what they ended up experiencing in a church community, what they're afraid that they'll experience in our church community, so they're, they're asking questions, rightly they should, is that, oh no, like, if it's not working, I must be the problem. And that's what it's communicated, that sometimes you start to tell yourself that, mm -hmm. because, like, you know, if, if it's not working, it, well, it works for all these other people, so I must, be, I must be broken, or I must be, I don't know, like, not made out for this community thing. And I'm going to argue that that's not the case. I think that when that happens, the problem is one-size-fits-all pictures, not you. That, that's not yeah. the problem. So if these simple pictures don't really work for us in including everyone's lived-out experiences of community, what do we have then to go off of? 
Yeah, so um, I do not think I'm going to be able to offer a snappy like image. I'm not going to have an alternative to the baseball diamond or the, the, the rooms in the house because I think we just need something more complicated. I think, I think we just need to be honest that what it means to have community that makes space for people in 21st century America is complicated, spacious, lots of nuanced pictures mm-hmm. of community. And I think that's what we need. I, I think that what we need is, is, is like... What I thought about a lot over this last month is um, I wanted to take these two weeks to like compile all of my notes of like the last 10 years of leading community and just be like, can, can we just like throw away all the things that we assumed would work but aren't working anymore and just be honest that we need something more, more complicated. And, uh, and I, I think that's what I would do. I want to paint a spacious picture of what it means to connect with community, it's not gonna work for every person. There's gonna be holes in it, but that I think we need to have something by design that does that, that has different room. And so my hope is it'd be, it, would, it would help us here as a community um, that more people would, I think, feel like they are able to connect here at Brownline. But my, my other hope is that it also helps us holistically. Like maybe we're not talking about your community experience of Brownline Church, but we're talking about your community experience, like what it means for you to be somebody who has healthy community in your lives, given all of the different ways that you make up, you know, what, what is your community experience? Yeah. I think for me, it's really key that one image or picture, one set course doesn't capture all of community, but that we can have a lot of different images together. Because I'm still going to cling to my metaphors and imagery and all of that. Yeah, maybe we just need more than one. Yes, exactly. So one that comes to mind for me is the table, which can be a really invitational and helpful metaphor for some people. Um, And a table is physically limited. Yeah. Like maybe my imagination's limited, yeah. but you can only have a table that's so big. So we need other yeah. images to balance that out. And I think about how Jesus models the expanding of community. Yeah. There's this crazy, there's a couple of crazy stories um, that are in the gospels told in different ways around Jesus feeding thousands and yes. thousands yes. of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're not at a table, they're sitting in the grass. There we go. Um, so that's a different picture. Yes. yes. Yeah. So it's a different one that can come alongside the table to help us have that more spacious yeah. idea of what things look like. And something that's really cool too there, there's these back-to-back stories. So first he feeds the 5,000 and then he feeds the 3,000 and the disciples are still amazed the second time. And it's because they just saw him do this. So it's like, did they forget this miraculous thing that just happened? Like the way that it's recorded? but it's actually because of who was being fed. Hmm. The first time around, it's people that they would have considered their community. They would have considered part of the, the like kingdom the, of God. Yeah, the in crowd, yeah. Yes, the yes, in crowd. Yeah. The second time, it's the out crowd yes. that's being fed. Yeah. And so that's what's miraculous about it. That's the amazing part, is that Jesus is taking in a field or whatever the terrain was, yeah. this smaller, um, smaller community of disciples, of close followers, feeding thousands of people, and then expanding it beyond who they, they would even expect to be present. I love that. I love that. So even, even using the same image or metaphor there, it says something different. And I, I think that's exactly, um, that is what I want to drive us toward as a church, is I truly want us to have um, multiple, uh, again, like not a simple, like, here it is. It speaks for everybody, not something universal, but multiple things that we can go to, multiple pictures, multiple images, multiple stories that, um, that, that capture what it means to connect here. I think yeah. that's the goal of these two weeks. Yeah. Um, okay, so I have um, a way, one way that I, I want to do this that I thought would be interesting or, um, yeah, it, we're going to do a very quick 
uh, one question, yes or no survey that I'm gonna have, I would love for all of you to participate in if you would like to. Uh, so whether you're joining us online or you're here in the theater, there's a QR code up on the screen and um, you can pull out your phone and follow that QR code. Uh, I'll have Abby also put the link in Discord if you're following around that way and you can just like click the link. Um, and this is it's super simple, um, just one question. It's totally anonymous so you can be honest. And then uh, it, the question is, can you list at least two names of people, not including a partner or a parent, who are in the know about the biggest unmade decisions in your life? So that's career, location, romance, identity, and would bring you a casserole or something like that if you were in a time of need, okay? So at least two names. This is not exclusive to BLC, so holistically in your life, can you name at least two names um, yes or no. And well, I just want you to re reply really quick and then we'll, we'll come back to that later in, uh, in the service. Perfect. So interactive today. So interactive. <laughs> Got ideas. Yeah. I just have a lot of ideas. Okay. <laughs> so as people are doing that, um, I'm wondering, Vince, what some of the major takeaways from this talk on community that you would like to leave people with uh, what are some of the core ideas that we're going to talk about? Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. So first, I think I want to say is that Brownline, our church, BLC, can be someone's primary community or can be someone's secondary community. And both of those are awesome. That's what I want to say. So like when I say primary community, what I mean is like your main avenue to relationships. It's how you know most of your friends. It's how you make your connections. It's the first people you think to go to if you need something. Um, oftentimes people develop primary community with a place like BLC if they like just moved or they have like a fresh start in a new place uh, or maybe you inherited, you know, connection to a place through your family, something like that. Uh, Brownline Church is a lot of people's primary community. Um, churches often are people's primary. I mean, I, Brownline Church is absolutely my family's primary community. Mm -hmm. Maybe not surprising because I'm the pastor, right? So, um, but then there's also secondary community, and this is something I want to talk about too. So, secondary community doesn't mean like your primary avenue to relationships, but it's still important. Like it fills a it fills a, a big part of what healthy experience of community for you is, and maybe it fills something that your primary community doesn't or can't or something like that. So for churches, um, I, I once heard a sociologist talk about uh, this kind of way to connect with a church, and they related it to chaplaincy. Has anyone ever had an experience with a chaplain before in a hospital context or a military context or something like that? So I remember, a, I remember when our church was meeting at Wells Park, and uh, we met at the community center, Wells Park, for a year. And, uh, and I remember sharing a really long hug with a dude who was not a hugger. <laughs> uh, and uh, this, what I learned after sharing this hug was that um, this guy had, um, he'd been basically dragged to our church by a girlfriend, and that's why he had come around and, and hung out. But uh, what he shared with me is that his girlfriend, in, in the last two weeks, I hadn't seen him in a couple of weeks, had left him and suddenly gotten engaged to somebody else. Hmm. Like, in, in, like, two weeks. It was, I, I was, I was just, like, my jaw dropped. I was heartbroken. And we just, like, we just hugged. We hugged for a long time. And that was, like, the beginning of, like, a year of, like, really, like, deep connection with this guy. And then, a year down the road... Life sort of balanced out for him, and some sort of things shifted in his life, and I didn't see him as much anymore. And uh, I, like, I, I still 
know this person through Facebook, you know, so I see like he's, he's married, has a kid now, and that sort of thing. And, and we just like, we, we were no longer together in, in, uh, in, in each other's lives. For, but for a period of time, I think that Brownline Church was this guy's chaplain. Hmm. And, then it was, and then he was moved on to something else. And, and, and I, I think that that's okay. I think that's a really beautiful story. And I don't think that we should be telling that story as though like, oh, here was this person who had something and then he gave it up, you know? I think it's a beautiful story of being somebody's secondary community. That's why I think we need that, that category of secondary community. Or I think of like the people who love this church and come here and have some friends here, but it's not their primary avenue to friendships. Like maybe when they first came here, they already had like deep connecting relationships, the people who would bring them casseroles, right? And maybe they've made a few new friends, but this, what if, what if you come here and you make some friends, but it's not all of your friends? Like, that's, that's great, right? Like, mm-hmm. is it bad that you have friends through another situation? Of course not, right? Like, I, I, I think of those, I, I, there's a lot of those folks who I, I have expressed to me, like, Brownline, the reason they love being connected to this place is because it's, a, it's an avenue for them to give back, and that's not something that they have in their other communities. It's a, it, it's a way for them to volunteer, to do something that affects a broader group of mm-hmm. people, whether it's showing up on Sundays and like helping set up or helping the tech or, or, or being in the band or helping with kids, or it's like helping us with events, like community picnics or, or uh, packing our neighboring bags for unhoused neighbors. And like when, we get, when you get to be a part of something like that and you don't have things like that in your other avenues toward community, it's like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for providing that, Brownline. Like, I would, I live in like consumeristic and capitalist hell elsewhere in my life. Thank you, Brownline, you know, for being an avenue out of that. I think that's really great, even if we're not a place, even if we're not the place where, where somebody makes all of their friends. I think those are really worthwhile ways to be connected. Yeah. And, and, then, and then, I mean, finally, I think, I think of all the people who have joined us online during the pandemic, mm-hmm. right? Like, we can't be primary community to people who are joining online. We're not local, right? But can we be an extremely important secondary community? 1,000%, that's what yeah. we learned, right? Like, people, people are not finding communities that feel like home to them, but they're looking for something that can make sense of their lives and, and that, and that can, can, can weave God through it in a way that doesn't feel like morally reprehensible. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like we're able to do that for people even if we're not local. So, I mean, like that's secondary community. Yeah, something that comes to mind for me as you're talking, um, Brené Brown has a book called Braving the Wilderness. Mm-hmm. And in part of it, she, and a lot of it, she's talking about belonging. Um, and what it means to belong to yourself, belong to a group, things like that. But she talks um, particularly about church communities Mm. in one section, and she quotes this sociologist that coined the term collective effervescence. Oh, that's That's really cool. We should put that one on the screen. Um, I should have thought of that. Collective effervescence. Collective effervescence. Yeah. And she talks about this as a feeling of sacredness when you belong to something that's bigger than yourself. Yes, yes. Um, So maybe you've experienced this here, maybe you've experienced this in other communities, Um, but when you belong to something beyond yourself, you have this this sacredness, um, collective effervescence, and you can have that regardless of if the group the source of meaning is your primary or secondary absolutely community. absolutely like i think about i think about how many you know if i'm if i'm imagining all of the people that cared for us over the last month who are like brought us food i think some of those people Brownline is their primary community. I think some of them, Brownline is their secondary community. But we we got to experience collective effervescence as a result of them being a part of our lives. Either yeah. way, yeah. yeah. And yeah. there, ten, I think there tends to be different um, treatment of people in communities if yes. it's your primary or secondary. So a big piece of this too is not 
judging those who experience community in a setting in ways that are different than you experience it. Yes. Not casting any type of blame or judgment on people. Uh, So I actually think that, I think it, it is fair to say that in general, churches reward primary community and talk down to secondary community. Mm. I mean, I think about my friend that I was talking about earlier of like, that is usually told as a story in a church of like somebody who had something and lost it. And I just, I I think that we need to, the stories that we tell about community as a church need to include that story as like a win, right? Like that is a good, amazing thing. We were a chaplain to somebody who was distraught Mm -hmm. and and we helped, put their life back together. How is that a bad thing, right? Mm-hmm. How, how can that possibly be a bad thing ever? That's always a good thing. And I, I just think like in, in our like, in our individualist like modern like America, you know, like the, a lot of the things that we've been talking about, like the economy runs everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's the great, it's the religion that we all subscribe to and we don't even realize it, you know, regardless of what we take on a religious identification. There are increasingly few, like in our world, guaranteed like shared sets of beliefs out there. Um, even among people who like come from the same culture, there are increasingly few things that like of like, of 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 like the biggest things in life, the deepest things in life that we all share. We're just kind of like we're we're all mutts, you know. Like none of us are purebred anymore. And as a result of that, it is so hard for so many people to just like like full-heartedly find themselves feeling at home in a church context because so often church contexts are just really like thick community that have a very particular way of doing things. They have those universal one-size-fits-all ways of connecting or just, you know, assigning meaning to the world or how you, how you experience community here. And if you don't fit into that one-size-fits-all, you, you leave. And I just think that is such a travesty because it's almost like churches and modern and like culture are going in the opposite mm-hmm. direction. How could we ever expect to be community for people if if we're if we're going in the opposite direction? Churches are becoming more one size fits all, and people are becoming more mutts, you know. And it's like we can't do that. We need to be able to to tell more stories. We need to be able to have a more spacious and more less universal way to talk about what it means to connect with a community. Otherwise, I think we are going to have a lot of people who have horrible things happen to them in a moment, and they do not know who to turn to. They do not know how God fits in their experience. They, they, they start to feel like despair is their only option. I think churches can provide a much-needed chaplaincy to a lot of people in need, and in general, because we talk down to secondary community, we're like, churches are just asleep at the wheel. They're not, they're not even, they're not even like, responding to the call. Mm. I think with this, too, it embraces that community shifts and changes in different seasons of your life. Yeah. Um, so this friend this, that you're talking about, this, this was an experience of primary community yeah, for a period for a of time. season. Yeah. And then it shifted and changed. Yeah. Um, and that's just a realistic look at how life seasons shift and change too. Yes. yes. Um, in college, I did this study on campus because community had become this buzzword that okay. people were drawn to. And I interviewed people and their perception was that everybody around them had community like these set groups oh, but 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 they but didn't they think didn't. they did of course of because course that's they the only had a narrow definition of what yes. community looked like yes um and it was really helpful for me to see this laid out too as someone who wasn't sure how i was experiencing community at the time and now i can name like oh i didn't know i had it because i had a primary community yes. and i had other secondary communities as well 
And all, both of those things helped me grow as a person, yeah. helped me navigate challenges, yes. brought me a lot of meaning and joy just in different ways. Yes. And I think like churches almost in general will undercut efforts that, that they're doing really well by only telling or only making space for primary community stories. Because you're basically, if you only do that, you're, you're, you're getting people into community, but then you're constantly shaming people for any, anything that they might have that's secondary, or if their experience of your church is secondary community, they think they're doing it wrong. So you you have all of these people walking around with that, like, that's basically like, it shows imposter syndrome, right? Mm -hmm. you, you are convinced that like, oh, I, I'm not a person who's connected because I'm not doing what they say I'm supposed to be doing. But your view of everybody else is that, well, they must be getting it. They're and so, yeah. I mean, that is like, we're undercutting our efforts. Like, I bet there's a lot of churches that are providing good community, but then they don't tell stories that allow people to interpret their own lives as I have community. Yeah. <laughs> that's such a shame. It is. Such a shame, yeah. So... We've got primary and secondary community. Yeah. Both are wonderful. Yeah. Um, what is the other main takeaway here? Yeah, that you I, I, so I, th I sort of related. I think what I want to say is that um, uh, building off of that idea that all of us are going to have some primary community and some secondary community, I think that sort of is, is a makeup for each person. Everybody's going to be different. And I think that's okay that we all have different makeups of what is, maybe we'll have one primary community and a secondary community, uh, or maybe we'll have multiple secondary communities and a primary community. Whatever that is, patchwork is okay. A patchwork is okay to make up what it means for you to have a healthy experience of community. A patchwork is okay. That's actually, that's actually pretty healthy to make up the experience of community for you with a patchwork of lots of different things. I remember being so relieved uh, talking uh, with a mentor of mine in his living room when he shared with me that his experience of community being like 30 years my senior his entire life had been a patchwork. And I, I looked up to this guy because he felt like, it felt like somebody I want to be like when I grow up. And I was like, wow, like, um, you seem like you have a healthy head on your shoulders. You seem like you have support if you need it. You seem like you are, you know, kind of living in what you're called to do. And I just like, oh, I, I, I want to be like that. And I was so startled because I think I'm sort of like those people on campus that you interviewed of like, I was convinced that like, he must, dude must be like, you know, like he's got this crew and he belongs to it. Those are the people in his life. And it's like, they've been there his, their entire way. And I'm like, I, I, that's just not the case for me because I've struggled for many years. Like as a kid, I struggled with uh, like trying to find the perfect friend group and just never did. I, I always like kind of bounced around to different friend groups. And then as an adult, as a pastor, like I've longed to find myself in a, in a group of uh, like, a, you know, like these are my people, these are my peers in ministry, these are my mentors in ministry. But I've experienced abandonment, I've experienced betrayal, mm -hmm. I've experienced like, like this, was a, this was a group I thought I fit in for a little while, but then I guess I didn't fit in enough because they kind of kicked me to the curb. And like, th I, I just wondering like, is that about me? You know, like what, what do I do with that? Is there a group for me? And then to find out that this mentor of mine was like, oh my gosh, like I've experienced all those same things too. For me, community, he was like, it's not one, it's not one thing that provided me community over the years. It's like I have friends over here and I have mentors over here and peers over here and I've just pulled them together and he even used the word patchwork for me and that was so useful for me. I, I, I've, I've, that stayed with me because I think it's actually like really helpful to make up your community in a patchwork. I, I think it's actually, it, it's especially healthy because uh, like I, 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 this is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell on you church. I remember one week where I had a really exhausting week as a pastor. Love you all, but sometimes weeks, are pa uh, weeks as a pastor is exhausting. And I, like as a result, I couldn't go to people in my primary community to 
be like filled up with what I needed. Like it would just been inappropriate for me to like go and now here I am doing it. I'm being inappropriate. Like guys, you you all made me tired. <laughs> no, <I'm> just <laughs> but like in that moment, it wouldn't have been appropriate, right? Like I, I needed to find a source that wouldn't that wouldn't like like needlessly put somebody in in a in a position of feeling uncomfortable, right? And so who could I go to? Well, I go to somebody in my secondary community. And I remember that was a it was a Friday night, and my family went to our blocks uh, uh, neighborhood uh, happy hour, and it was like just filled me up to be with people who are among those in my secondary community. My, my block, you know, with, with those friends, they're not part of my primary community, but they're part of my secondary community. And I really needed that. I really needed to have both of those things in my patchwork quilt of community because it, it, it helped me. Yeah, I love that someone modeled for you and gave you this language to describe patchwork. Um, Anne Lamott has this great quote where she says, don't compare your insides to everyone else's outsides. Yes, yes, yes. Um, And that's been really helpful for me too, just being able to continue to validate and expand our ideas of community so that we can not judge or not look to everybody else and say like, oof, they've got community and I don't. Because that's the other side of it, right? It's like sometimes we're doing the imposter syndrome thing where we're judging ourselves, Mm -hmm. but other times it's flipped, right? And we judge those other people. Like, look at these... These people, they're, they're not as in as I am. Yeah. You know, it's their fault they're lonely, you know, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Yeah. Like that's no good too, but that's in us too, right? It, we, we will, I mean, probably go th- experience both of those temptations in a lifetime of being in community is sometimes we're tempted to judge ourselves and other times we're going to be tempted to judge other people. I think we'll talk about that next week too. Yeah. So that'll we'll be, get into yeah, that more. More, more to say on that, yeah. Um, but do you want to turn us back to our survey question yes. here, if people have had a chance yes. to answer it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, can we can we actually uh, put our survey results on the screen, I wonder? Is that possible? Oh, yeah, there we go. Nice. Oh, look at this. Look at what we've got, folks. So 29, yes, 11 notes. That's, I, I, that's, that, this is very interesting. Now, so here's, here's what I want to do. I want to speak to these results a little bit as we see. That's, thank you, everybody, for participating. I appreciate that. I want to speak to those for a second. So if you answered yes, what I'm going to argue is that you are in a more healthy place than most when it comes to an experience of community. Certainly not perfect. There's always room to expand or grow or increase or whatever. Like, I, I'm totally not going to tell you that you're, you should feel fine because everything's great. It, that's not the case. But I'm going to argue that you are, whether the, we're talking about Brownline Church or not, you are in a more healthy place than most for those folks who answered yes. If you answered no, that was also a significant number. I'm going to suggest that you're in a less healthy place when it comes, less than healthy place, when it comes to experiencing community. And making this, what we're talking about today, a high priority to address, I think will hugely benefit your life. And so I do wanna speak to, I wanna wanna offer some potential takeaway questions for lots of different ways that you may be feeling after taking that yes or no survey. So I think too, Mm -hmm. this um, language of healthy and maybe less than healthy mm-hmm. is helpful. It's not saying that your experience of community is good or bad yes. or right or yes, wrong. Yes, absolutely. Good, good um, nuance, please. Yeah. And I think all of us, um, maybe this is too much of a universal statement, but we have our experience and we have our longing. And for some of us, the, the gap between those two things, what we're experiencing and what we're longing for might seem like a huge gap. Yeah. And for some of us, that's going to be a smaller and closer um, like what I've am experiencing is actually pretty close to what I'm longing yeah. for. Yeah. And so I think that when we, we notice that gap and we can approach it with curiosity and not judge ourselves for having however big or small it may be, um, but seeing that it can help us rearrange our priorities yes. in our life yes. and maybe rearrange some energy in how we're spending it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, that's, that's a very, very important nuance. I think that is definitely in the service of trying to do, we're trying to make a spacious, more complicated picture of community, not yes. like narrow it yeah. down. So let me, in, also in the spirit of that, I'm gonna throw out a lot of potential questions that might apply to you. Some of them might not apply to you. So take what you will and throw away what doesn't work for you, okay? So um, if you answered yes, some possible takeaway questions for you. One, is there a next initiative toward other people's experience of community within Brownline that God might be calling you to right now? Hmm. Is there a next initiative for you? If it's, a, it's a, if it's within this church, boy, I gotta tell you, we can help you with that. I would love that, that would be really great. Uh, another potential t- uh, takeaway question, if you answered yes. Are there judgments that you've made over people you've been in community with that you wanna leave behind today? so that you can help Brownline be more spacious. A little bit like what we were talking about before. It must be that person's fault that they're lonely, or you know, maybe it's judgments of yourself even. Mm-hmm. Along those lines, if you answered yes, but you're surprised to hear that, you're, that at my interpretation of your response to that yes or no question is that, it, that you're in a good situation, if that surprises you, Um, a couple of questions you might ask yourself. Do you need to update your opinion of how well you're doing pursuing community to be more generous to yourself? Do you need to be more generous to yourself in how you look at your your efforts toward community? Do you need to stop apologizing for not being as involved as you should be? (laughs) I wonder if that applies to anybody. Another question you might ask yourself if you answered yes, but that surprised you that I called that a good thing. Is your memory of a past experience of community getting in the way of you experiencing all that community has for you in the present? Mm. Is a memory of the past getting in the way of what you could be experiencing in the present? This is a story that has recurred, I think, over many times in, in the years of this church. Two particular folks come to mind for me. They had such a powerful experience of church community, like in high school and in college, and that's great but it sort of became a torment to them as they entered their 30s. Mm. And I think for one thing, like nothing in American adult life can compare to what you might have in high school and college, right? Like that doesn't actually fit with a working life in America. Um, So you're, oh, it's it's hard because you have something and then you lose it. But these two, I think they were able to adjust their expectations about like what what you can expect time-wise, right? Like when when you're a working adult and not in college. But what they couldn't readjust was just this, this idea that like their, their past experiences of community and what they had there was so, it just became an ideal that nothing could ever approach before because things would have to look different in a different place or in a different setting or with different people. And I think that they were missing that they did, I think that they would have answered yes to this, to this question, but they're missing that that was even true because it didn't match this ideal from their past that was mm. so, so important to them. And, that, and that, that's hard, right? Like, we, it's such a great memory from the past. How do we move on to the next thing and allow new memories to form? That's a, that's a tough one. Yeah, I think it calls for embracing gratitude for what has been and not judging yourself what, for what is right yeah, now. Yeah. And that goes beyond community, too. Yeah. How do we graciously look back um, and hold what we're going through yeah. right now in the present? Yeah. So those are all some potential takeaway questions if you answered yes. Here are some potential takeaway questions if you answered no. First off, are you in a brand new situation after a move, for example? And maybe you just, like, it hasn't been long enough to, for, like, things to settle. 
for you to even like gather enough good data. Something world rocking happened. Doesn't have to be a move. Doesn't you don't even have to like be in a new situation. You can be around the same group of people, but something like wild and new has happened, and that means that you have to kind of let the dust settle before you can assess. Um, if that's the case, I hope that I hope that you can feel like okay. I can have the courage to keep moving forward. I don't need to answer this question yet. I don't need to be uh, uh, sure that, that my, my, my story is told already in the, in, the, in, the, in the game of community. A second question that you might ask yourself if you answered no to our survey, have you been hurt in the past? Have you, have you been abandoned or betrayed or taken advantage of or something like that? And if that's the case, those are things that can really make it difficult to start to get to a place where we can name specific people that we could go to or who are in the know on our lives. When we are hurt, those things don't go away. You know, there's a, there's a, a phrase that has felt helpful is, hurts done in community have to be healed in community. Mm -hmm. Not always the same community. In fact, often not the same community because that's what caused the pain. But you have to kind of piece that back together. And so I suppose my encouragement would be, is there, is there a safe person? Or does, does uh, a, 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 one of us in the pastoral staff here feel like a, a safe person that you could begin to tease out some of those hurts? Because they're, we're, we're often directing people with next steps in terms of how do we get healing when we've been hurt in community? And then a third question that you might consider if you answered no is, do you need to reconfigure some things about your life to prioritize pursuing community more? And this one, this, this one might be like, maybe you've stepped back and you've realized, you know, it, like, oh, wow, like I realized I didn't answer yes, or I, I, did, I answered no to that question. Maybe I was surprised by that. This is something that I think we are going to talk a little bit more about next week as well. The default in America is to organize community around your career or where you live or your romance or whatever. Like you figure those things out first and then after that you figure out community. And that's, that sometimes works for people, but it's a little bit more precarious than going the other way around where you figure out community first and then you start to figure out like, okay, and now that I have this solid foundation that can feed me and that can nurture me and that can care for me in crisis, now I can figure out like where I'll work or where I'll live or who I'll be with. And that's like the, the default in America though is like we, you know, we, we advance in our careers, we go to college so we can get a good job and we meet somebody and we move to wherever because like I remember I, I, wanted, to be, I wanted to be on SportsCenter when I was... Um, when I was, uh, first went to college, I wanted, to, I wanted to be a sports journalist. And one of the things that scared me away from going into journalism was that you, you had to be ready to move anywhere. Hmm. And I just wasn't ready for that. Like I'd realized like, I wanna, I wanna organize my career around community, not community around career. Uh, and I, I was just too afraid. And I'm really glad I made that choice. Um, so that's something that, that, that is also nuanced. It's not one size fits all, but, I, but we'll talk a little bit more about next week. But that could be something that you're, that you're considering. Like, do I need to reconfigure some things so more can be organized around community rather than the reverse? Yeah, even that is taking something that's a set narrative, a set path, and expanding it beyond that, which I think is yeah. the hope for this whole conversation is yeah. that we're not offering, like, this is the solution to how yes. you're feeling. Yes. It's yeah. just naming what you're already experiencing and validating that and saying that there's a way to navigate it regardless yep. of where you're at. Yep, yep, yep. Um, can we do some final shout outs? Yeah. I mean, just because it's been a month of me thinking about community and now I'm bringing that to everybody. Um, shout out to the people who make primary and secondary community happen here at Brownline. Y'all rock. 
Um, it's a lot of people. It is. Uh, uh, can, I, can I give a specific shout out to the coffee crew on Sundays? All the people who's gotten coffee after church on a Sunday after coming to the Davis Theater? Uh, yeah, there's a multiple people who've gotten coffee because there's like a few people that just like make it happen every week. And so if you want to get coffee, like a bunch of people like go and get coffee after church on Sunday. Isn't that nice? That's great. Um, there are people who host small groups. There are people who help us plan community events. There are people who are, when they show up to volunteer to help turn the Davis Theater into a church, they're just like so freaking friendly. That's community. <laughs> like, I love that. And that is important. And so shout out to all of you who make community happen. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, would you like to close us in prayer here? I would. I would like to, I would like to lead us in prayer. That would be great. Um, yeah. I, uh, well, let's, let's get in a comfortable spot because I thought I could, I thought we could build off of some of those, some of those different ways we might be responding after taking our little survey. So get yourself in a comfortable position. Whew, stretch it out. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> if you want to, you can close your eyes just to feel more settled in this space, a little bit more prayerful. Or sometimes I like to just like focus on a little corner of the room, you know, so my eyes are not distracted by something else. Whatever helps you to feel in a comfortable and prayerful space. And I'm going to lead us in prayer. All right, God, for those of us who maybe feel like there's a next initiative for us when it comes to community here at Brownline Church, yeah, we do feel like God might be calling us to something. There's a, there's a, there's a, a new thing to step into, or maybe there's uh, something that we just like need to step into more fully. Uh, whether we are a person who feels like this is our primary community or our secondary community, if that's us right now, I pray, God, in this space as we're quiet, that you would speak to us and you would encourage us about that next initiative. For those of us who recognize, as we're talking about it here, as we're thinking about different pictures of community, for those of us who recognize that Maybe it was in the past, maybe it was a long time ago, or maybe it was recent. We've made judgments of other people. I'm going to raise my hand for this one. I've done that. We've made judgments of other people for the way that they were trying to experience community. God, as we consider that, we, we just express our regret. And we just, like, we, we in the, with the religious word, we repent of that. We turn to something better. We don't need to judge other people to feel better about ourselves. We're so grateful that you, God, have lots of images for community. You have a table and you have a field. And sure, you have a baseball diamond and a house too. You've got all those things. And we want to commit ourselves to a spacious picture of community that can make space for lots of situations and people. And so we're so, we're, we're so sorry for these judgments. We turn from them now as we pray. For those of us who need to have a more generous view of ourselves and our pursuits, God, we don't want to judge ourselves anymore. We want to look at ourselves and, feel, and like be able to feel proud. We are not imposters. We pray that every bit of community that any of us can experience would not be lost on us. 
We pray for those of us who maybe have a memory from the past stealing from our present possibilities. If a memory from the past is stealing from our present possibilities in community, God, help us through that. Help us to find whatever healing or movement forward that we need to experience more in our current reality. For those of us in a brand new situation, give us patience now, God. It is so hard. Maybe we've experienced something good in the past and we're getting impatient, or it's just feeling hard. That gap between our experience and our longing is really big. Help us to you know, do that next right thing, not tell the story too soon. Give us like little flashes of, um, of like, you're, like you're speaking to us, like, oh, have you, look at that person over there, you know? Hey, that friend crush, you go for it. They like you. <laughs> yeah, whatever that is, God, speak to us, encourage us, lighten our load. Let us not feel so dour or heavy about it. For those of us who've been hurt in the past, God, hurts in community must be healed in community. And that is so scary for any of us who've been hurt. Come and be near us, God. You are the God that showed us what you are like in Jesus. You've been scared. You've been betrayed, abandoned, hurt. We are not alone in that experience. Give us courage to take risks, to find community again. And finally, for those of us who need to reconfigure something about our lives, to prioritize community a little higher, Allow us to be gentle to ourselves, Lord, not shaming ourselves, but gently moving ourselves into decisions that more align with our values. Would we feel more free as we do this and not more restricted? Would we never, like, you know, take aggressive, chastising energy toward ourselves, but we would be, we'd be gentle kind to ourselves as we try to reconfigure. As we hold all of these possibilities, and maybe there are more, the different things we may be feeling, the different takeaways that might be for us, knit us together, God, as a people that are both here because it's our primary community and here because it's our secondary community. Knit us together as a patchwork. And for each of us, would the patchwork of what it means to experience healthy community fall into place? In Jesus' name, amen.